Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and this week is actually the second part of our end-of-year awards special. Um, it's now the start of 2016, so it's the end-of-year, start-of-year um, awards special, and we are going to be handing out, basically, a bunch more awards this week. Um, it was all done in run recording, so you're actually just listening to the second part. Um, so soon I will be rejoining Seb and James and you can hear us hand out awards for um, Best Film, Worst Film, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Villain, Best Costume, Best Song. Seven James will also be giving recommendations for the Best Comics of 2015. And we'll also be inducting someone into our Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. So we're going to go back and rejoin Seb and James and I now in the past. Um, And then at the end, I'll be back handing out a couple of extra awards, um, trying to invite some audience participation. And also, if you stay right till the end, as always, you'll hear what we'll be covering on our next show, our first full episode of 2016. But now back to Seb, James and I handing out all of those awards. So this category is best screenplay. So this this category may lack some of the nuance of some of the other categories, but best screenplay, you know, um, I think these are all best adapted screenplay if we're being technical. I don't think you'd get any of these through the Oscars as original. Um, we Agent Carter? Uh, not nominated in this category, I'm afraid, Seb. Ah. Uh, <laughs> our five nominees in this category are Kick-Ass, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Batman Begins and Scott Pilgrim. Um, I would immediately like to throw Iron Man out because its third act is terrible. Also, it was oh, quite man. famously improvised. A lot of it, wasn't it? So yeah, I, I think most of the, most of the the greatness of that movie. I think it has a great opening act, um, and I'm probably again going to get in trouble with James here. But I think in terms of that flashback, flash forward structure. It is borrowing heavily from one of our other nominees, Batman Begins, and I don't think it pulls off that first half hour quite as spectacularly as Batman Begins does. Um, again, James, I know you, I know you don't agree, um, but I feel we're really sleeping on Batman Begins in these awards just because James hates it, and that is that is fair. <laughs> but also, 
You know where to send your complaint letters. I think Batman Begins would maybe be my first choice here. I think of the Dark Knight trilogy, I think Batman Begins is the uh, most structurally sound. And I know you're not going to want to give a screenplay award to David Goya, but it really... (laughs) (laughs) I think I think that that movie arriving when it did and doing what it did for that character and yes there is a lot of explaining the origin of everything but a lot of the time that is interesting so I'd, I'd kind of be willing to bang the drum a little bit for Batman Begins in this category I think primarily because of that first half hour 45 minutes that bounces all over the place but tells an incredibly coherent story within that i'd just like to say but. uh no <laughs> i think that i think there's there's one clear winner for this because it's the one that actively and clearly improves mm-hmm. on the source material and yep. that's kick-ass kick-ass is a, is a script that is uh, that is better than the comic that it's based on and that doesn't yeah. usually scott, happen like, with these films usually we end up going <laughs> oh what have they come even yeah. scott pilgrim scott pilgrim gets so to many that point, is a great yeah, it gets to that play. point for about the first half and then it has to cram in yeah. like four four books worth of stuff. And they they wrote and they wrote the wrong ending yeah. and had to change it at the last <laughs> minute. So if you're talking purely on a screenplay level, uh, or rather no, they probably they wrote the right ending for <laughs> their film and the wrong ending for Scott Pilgrim, and so had to switch to the right ending for Scott Pilgrim and the wrong ending yeah. for their film. <laughs> so, um, but Kickass, you know, I mean, not without its problems itself, but. Uh, again, the, you know, the way that I summed it up on the previous podcast was it keeps the good stuff and gets rid of the horrible, cynical stuff and replaces it, it with better stuff. And if for you that took out reason, the gay slurs, it would be pretty much perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what What about our other nominees? Um, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I think we kind of have to discount Scott Pilgrim for, again, for that third act and for, yeah, the, the way it kind of loses itself towards the end. We've got Spider-Man in here, which again has a pretty flawless origin story for the first forty-five minutes, and we've not. We, we have we been sleeping on Spider-Man a bit so far. I given think, how how I think, much we like that movie, we're not really. I really don't think you can understate the the influence of Spider-Man and Spider-Man's script, um, particularly that first hour. And it's like every week when I watch The Flash. And like the narration at the start of the Flash, yes. and it, I mean, and, and, and particularly at the start of the Flash's pilot episode as well, and it's just, just that whole structure is just. Spider-Man. Can I just say, if the Flash and, was eligible eligible for awards this year, which unfortunately it's not, it would probably yeah. be up for quite a few. And if we were doing yeah. best dialogue, which again we're not, I just love every single week when he says, "By day." I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. <laughs> that is just wonderful. It makes me giggle every time I hear it. But sorry, carry on. <laughs> Spider-Man's um, great. But yeah, it's just, you know, the, that that structure and the way that Spider-Man presents the hero to us. Um, you know, even and even down to the fact that, you know, we're, we're talking about Kick-Ass, which has moments that are direct homages <laughs> to Spider-Man yeah. because those moments in Spider-Man have become so iconic already. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I think I mean, you know, Spider-Man's problem is that yeah, it doesn't have a great villain, and it, like all of them, it sort of loses its way towards the end. But again, I'm You've not also sure that got that all villain, the J. Jonah Jameson dialogue. I'm in not there. sure that that villain is such a flaw, and I think the Green Goblin might, might be more of a visual flaw than he is. True, yeah, it's not so much flawed at script level; he's flawed at 
in execution. Yeah, and yeah. and I don't think that movie ever loses its way to the extent that Iron Man or Scott Pilgrim does. I think the first Spider-Man film, yes, it's very tropey because it was one of the first movies doing this kind of stuff, but it it stays really really strong start to finish and i even think the the kind of the graveyard scene at the end of that movie is kind of perfect and you know we get the great power great responsibility speech ringing over the top but it does it does also feature the the rooftop scene and the line think about it hero again so you're doing the voice on the, on the page does that <laughs> seem so bad no it's quite a bad line on the page as well um I I personally I I like I like Kickass. Um, I think I spoke about this at the time that the themes running through that script and through that movie, I'm not sure ultimately come together. Other than it is going, hey look, superhero movies, they're fun. Um, and I'm not. I'm not sure there's I mean, much. If you're not, but, if, you're sure not on true, if you're not on board with that as an idea, what are we even doing? Here? Yeah, <laughs> why are we yeah. doing this podcast? <laughs> That's true. But I think Spider-Man just like it. It sets so many. It sets so many paradigms, and that is, uh, in terms of origin stories, is uh, maybe the best. Uh, you know, to the fact. I mean, we've seen that it, exact same story attempted to be done again and it doesn't come close so I'm I mean I'm very pro Batman Begins but I'm aware as a tactical voter that it's not going to get through the 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 James firewall <laughs> the James that has been put up so I, I'm I'm willing to throw my weight behind Spider-Man but I don't know whether we're going to have uh, whether whether you you both are going to double down on Kick-Ass I mean, and defeat me here. Ultimately it's not it's a good version of Spider-Man's origin, but it's not the best version because the best version's on the page. So, again, compare it to Kick-Ass, which improves on the comic. So, are you two? Are you two gonna? I think there's some block voting going on here. Sh- you're gonna shoot yeah. me down, <laughs> and you're gonna vote Kick-Ass through as the best screenplay. Yeah, it's just it, it is it is for that reason. It improves on the source material in the way that the others do. the others improve in some ways and then don't improve in others. Kick-Ass is just so much better a piece of writing than the comic that it's based on. You, you would almost you would almost think that the comic was a crap adaptation <laughs> of the film rather than vice versa. Yeah. Okay, so Kick-Ass wins our best screenplay category. Um, we'll move on now. Uh, this is, I think, going to be a pretty fun one. We've got a best costume category. Um, and I think you guys know I've already got one that I am thoroughly banging the drum for. Um, I think... I think I think all of us might, uh, but I, our nominees here, and um, I think this is a really strong bunch. We have um, Iron Man. Now we're going to leave it to James to <laughs> suggest which mark of the Iron Man suit he wants. Seb and I nominated Iron Man. James nominated Iron Man Mark Five and Mark Six. Uh, we also have Rorschach <laughs> from Watchmen. I think maybe our only Watchmen nomination. Um, I think I put it in a couple of other categories, but again, shot down by Seven James. Then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all four of them. Um, Spider-Man, again, from Spider-Man. And Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim. So, James, before we get down to debating, do you want to tell us which mark of the Iron Man suit we are discussing Uh, here? It's tough. Mark V is the briefcase armour. 
and yeah, Mark, that's the one Mark that that is. Six is the triangle <laughs> chest armor. <clears throat> Which okay, is, I well, mean, I'm... that's the definitive Iron Man look as far as I'm concerned. That's as good as it got. Like, every version since has been a worse version of that. But it has the triangle. Yeah. What's uh, I like the circle. Yeah. You're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna get through with the triangle, James. I'm just throwing that out there right now. <laughs> you know, in that case, I mean, I nominated <laughs> War Machine, but that didn't make it to the to the top because no, that didn't because it's like Iron Man, yeah, but it's great. It's like Iron Man, not but it's got a Gatling sport. gun. Yeah, points off, points <laughs> off as far as I'm concerned. So are we go. Are we going Iron Man Mark Six? I would go Tri- I triangle, would... but. But nice. Yeah, I'd go Iron Man Mark Six. Okay, would that be your choice, James, or do you do you have another favourite from this list? Uh, they're all good. Um, yeah, I mean Iron Man is the suit, so I guess yeah, Iron Man would probably be my choice. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Seb? You you were the first one to suggest Raw Shark, and I agree with that. It's Let's let's hear Seb saying nice things about Watchmen for for a minute or so. <laughs> it's well, you know, if you're going purely on on accuracy of translating from the comic, I mean, Spider Man, which I'll talk about in a second, does a similarly good job. But you know, the Raw Shark costume, well, firstly, just the general look of it, they get pretty much spot on, and they find a way to do the mask. And I think that was always something that seemed like it would be a problem with a Watchmen adaptation. I don't know that it's just a case of they can just do it with CGI, but it's not just that they do it with CGI, it's that it it looks good. It you know, the, the, the cloth and the kind of movie it doesn't look like kind of plasticky or anything like that. Um it doesn't look realistic, but it looks like how Raw Shark should look. And they actually use it to do facial expressions in the way that the comic mm. did as well. Um so, you know, uh, for all of the faults of Watchmen, I think with the exception of Ozymandias, the costume design in Watchmen is excellent. I think with Ozymandias, I know what they're trying to do. It just doesn't... I know they're trying to do a parody of Batman and Robin. It's just there's no reason for them to do that, and it doesn't come off. But um, And also, Silk Spectre, they go a bit ridiculous with as well. But Night Owl, Comedian, and Rorschach, I think the costumes are great. Um, and Rorschach in particular is just... He just looks like he stepped off the page. Yeah. So, you know, I know that's exactly what they were going for. And in that sense, <laughs> they succeeded. Doctor, I should have said Dr. So. Manhattan. <laughs> it is a great costume. Now, would Rorschach actually, no, actually be your first choice from that list? or No, I think I would still go for Spider-Man because Spider-Man is... It's not 100% um, accurate to how it looks on the page, but it, well, it's two things. One, Spider-Man's costume is again with the possible exception of Superman like the most iconic um, comic book costume uh, of a superhero Um, the thing with the Spider-Man movie costume and again I talked about this on the previous podcast but I can't overstate how significant the moment was when I first saw the first released photo of that costume because there was so much potential for it to be got wrong Mm. and everyone was assuming that it would be like a black costume or that it would just look ridiculous (coughs) Um, you know that 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 just there would be some way in which they would find a way to mess up the Spider-Man costume and then what they did, okay, it had tweaks, it had the raised webbing, the eyes weren't quite right in the way that they are in Amazing Spider-Man 2 um and you know some of the shapes and angles are slightly different but basically that is spider-man's costume put perfectly on screen yeah. and you know i've said this before i love the raised webbing 
I think the race webbing is great. It gives a real texture to that costume. And oh no, I like it. It's great. It's just that it's a change. Uh, is is the yeah. only thing. But I think the thing is, you know, before that point, okay, you know, you you had kind of superman being pretty much dead on with the comics but spider-man was following on from x-men <laughs> where x-men x-men had gone these costumes in the comics are silly we need to come up with something that you know that works that we think works better on screen and even the batman films you know the 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 90s batman costumes don't bear any relation to the comics except that the comics actually changed batman's costume for a while to look more like the michael keaton version but spider-man was some was a costume designer going here's a design that everyone knows and recognises and that works brilliantly on the page, how do I put that on the screen? Mm. You know, it wasn't ashamed to be a comic book costume. And I think you wouldn't have got all of the screen-accurate costumes that we've had since without that Spider-Man costume. Yeah. So, I mean, I... Uh, I really do feel very strongly <laughs> about that costume. <laughs> I do love that. I mean, we, we spoke about the Spider-Man podcast. I love that costume. Um, and yeah, I think that movie almost sold itself on that costume, on the posters. Um, just before I get to my choice, there's a, a, a mention some of the other ones that were nominated. Um, I really like just the simplicity of Scarecrow in Batman Begins. Um, I thought that Vision was brilliantly realised uh, in Avengers Age of Ultron. Could have gone very wrong. Um, Seb, you suggested Big Daddy, um, which yeah. is an, another very strong choice. Um Maybe a one-note joke, but a very strong <laughs> choice. Um, and James, you 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 also had Ghost Rider in there for his leather and flaming skull. Yeah, I'm not sorry. It's an that. iconic. Look. Didn't it, like if you're looking at translations <laughs> from page to screen. That is, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that costume in any way. Well, the one the one that I actually want to argue for victory here, and it feels strange that I'm arguing something over Spider Man, but. I just think that those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles costumes are a ridiculous achievement. Um, in, I think they look fantastic. I mean, I love almost everything that the Jim Henson studio ever does. And those costumes are able to do so much through being just a thoroughly unique creation. You know, it's part big phone costume, part animatronics, part actor inside... Um, voice performances added afterwards and they the fact that those costumes were still able to do actual like martial arts in them as well um i i love those things and um i i was really astounded on a technical level going back to teenage mutant ninja turtles um at the start of the 90s doing what it did and comparing it to kind of the equivalent that we have today and with the power to do anything with a computer screen the character designs of the current turtles don't get anywhere near what they did in the early 90s so my vote would be would be for the turtles um i don't know if anyone has any thoughts on the turtles beyond my my love for them i mean i i agree with you but i think you're rooting your love of them in a kind of affection for sort of movie magic that I don't have. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> like I, I've got zero affection for Jim Henson or anything related to him, so I, you know... They're fine versions of the Turtles and they're impressive for the time. But on a pure design level, they're kind of cartoonish and googly. Oh, that's perfect for the movie! It's, it's fine, 
It's fine. It's just it's not what I like. I'm not going to get Ninja Turtles through again, am I? Um, <laughs> Seb, so you're going Spider-Man. Yeah. James? Uh, knowing that Iron Man isn't getting through, I guess I'll go with Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah, and so knowing that Ninja Turtles aren't getting through, I, I will have to join you with Spider-Man. It is a pretty amazing costume. I can't be I can't be too upset with that one. So, best costume for this year, Spider-Man. We didn't even mention Ramona, who made the list, but I think was like definitely fifth place there yeah maybe if we had the best hair and makeup that that hair oh, definitely. That ever-changing <laughs> hair is wonderful um we're gonna have a slight change of pace here and there's gonna be um a bit of musical intervention yeah so this category is best song now there is not a huge amount of um songs to choose from but basically i think there were Two in particular that between us we wanted to be able to play on the show. Um, and I think w- what we'll do here is just simply name the songs that we would like to play you a little bit of and then and then play you a little bit. So we'll guys we'll we'll save the one that's pretty much a unanimous winner for last. Do you want to mention the other ones that you really liked from this year? Oh no, I, I, sorry, I was going to let James say Turtle Power, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, of my five choices, at least two of them are ironic. <laughs> there is nothing ironic about liking Turtle Power. Okay, let's, if you insist- let's listen to a little bit of Turtle Power. This is serious, so give me a quarter. I was a witness, get me a reporter. Call April O'Neil, and on this case, ain't you better hurry up? There's no time to wait. We need help, like quick on the double. Have pity on the city, man, it's in trouble. We need heroes like the Lone Ranger when Tonto came pronto. When there was danger, they didn't say we'd be there in half an hour, cause they displayed can still recite most of the lyrics for that off the top of my head that's obviously not going to be the eventual winner but it is some good fun uh, uh, along similar lines um of of the many staggering achievements by prince on the batman soundtrack um i think party man stands out particularly for the scene that it's in So you're right, Black Party Man probably also not going to win. Now, I, I know what's not, not going to win, but this is a song that, I, if I'm honest with you, after I heard it in this movie, did make its way onto my iPod, and I've kind of unironically been listening to it and enjoying it ever since. Um, and that's um, Hunger City from 
Um, Howard the Duck. That's not even the best song in Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck is the best song in Howard the Duck. No, Howard the Duck is a terrible song, and it's bad in a... You know, we can enjoy it in an ironic way. I have enjoyed Hunger City unironically, and I needed to play it on this End of Year's Awards show because it has been a defining song in my 2015. (laughs) Um, Guys, um, you two were very clear on what should actually be the winner of this, so do you want to briefly say why before before we take a listen to it? Um, it's a metric song and it's got Brie Larson <laughs> singing on it. Well, actually, both versions are great. The, the the version with Emily Haynes singing and the version from the movie with Brie Larson singing are both fantastic. But it's a really great song by a really great band that fits the movie perfectly. Okay, let's take a little quick listen to Black Sheep. Hello again, friend of a friend I knew. Yeah, that's the best one, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty clearly, pretty clearly the best one. I mean, you could have picked quite a few things off the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack because because there, there's other stuff. I mean, if, if we're limiting, even if we're limiting ourselves to stuff specifically composed for the film, um, you've got the, all the stuff that. Uh, who was it that did all of the uh, sex bomb stuff? Mm. Uh, was it well, was it yeah. Beck? Because no Beck did because Beck did the Ramona song. You've got the Sex Bob-omb stuff, which is endearing and quite catchy, and you've got the five-second snippets that Broken Social Scene did for um, Crash and the Boys as well. Um, and then if you, if you don't limit yourself to stuff composed for the, for the film, then you've got all of the other really great stuff that's on the soundtrack. Yeah. It's, it's just an awesome <laughs> soundtrack. But, I mean, we did, we did settle on Black Sheep for a pretty unanimous winner of Best Song of 2015, um, we'll move on now back to a category I teased earlier, which is best villain. And um, best villain was um, was actually we we had a lot of consensus. So our nominees are Kingpin from the Daredevil TV show. Um, again, I'm assuming mostly from the TV show. Although Michael Clark Duncan does some good work. We have Ultron from Age of Ultron. We have Sebastian Shaw from X Men First Class. We have the Joker 
from Batman 89 and we have Magneto from X-Men First Class. And guys, I didn't nominate Magneto, um, but... <laughs> I suppose he's not really... Well, so that was, that was my feelings. <laughs> like, I, I love Fassbender and I think he's great, but in this movie in particular, I think he is a hero for longer than he's a villain. He's hunting Nazis... Got a he's been he's been James Bond like and hunting Nazis and having a great bromance with James. When McAvoy. did James Bond ever hunt Nazis? <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe when they reboot it, that would be a good direction to take. Um, I like James so, Bond just tracking down like octogenarians and shooting them <laughs> while they hobble away. <laughs> so I can't really get behind Magneto winning this award. And similarly, I like Ultron. I like Sebastian Shaw, but I think. As Do you not think Sebastian Shaw deserves it purely for Shotgun? Yes, I mean that is wonderful. You're right. That is wonderful. <laughs> but I think I think the two, I, as far as I'm concerned, the two that should be duking this out are Kingpin from Daredevil, for reasons I've already explained. And the Joker from Batman, because as we discussed, you know, way back on whatever our second podcast that was, that's the Joker's movie more than it is Batman's movie. Um, and so, yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, those two should be duking it out unless you guys have an argument for one of the other three. I mean, I'm leaning more towards Kingpin than Joker, uh, mainly because I think Jack Nichol. Jack Nicholas? Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Sorry. <laughs> Not the golfer. Yeah. <laughs> I knew there was a reason I was getting that confused. Uh, yeah, I think his performance is kind of... It's a bit too Cesar Romero. <laughs> you say but that like it's, it's not, a bad like, thing. It's just it's something I'm not a fan of. And do you, do you think there's an argument that what Heath Ledger did since has kind of taken the shine off Jack Nicholson's Joker? I don't know if it took the shine off it. It's definitely replaced it as the definitive portrayal yeah 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 i mean i think as again you know a, a point we made but it was a long time ago this podcast so um he's possibly not really so much the joker as he is jack yeah, yeah. in this like he's he's jack napier turned into the joker but he still has the character of jack napier whereas one of the many, many reasons why Heath Ledger's Joker works so well is that he has that thing that the Joker has always had in the comics, which is that you have no idea who he is or where he's come from. He is only the Joker and nothing else. And, you know, at the time, Nicholson's version was so definitive. But now you would have to say that that is only one very specific facet of the Joker and there are others and there are potentially better ones. I would still vote for the Joker in this because I still think that Joker is a great villain um, and in a lot of ways sets the tone for the domination of, for better or worse, the domination of villains in these films for quite a while afterwards. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that's fair. I also think that Kingpin is incredible like, and but... we missed out we missed out on giving D'Onofrio the award the first time I mean I'm not going to deny you the chance to have <laughs> D'Onofrio's kingpin be crowned best villain even though it's in the same year as Nicholson's Joker if it was in the same year as Ledger's Joker I think you'd have a fight yeah I hands, think, but I think as so it is, uh... I think bar, bar Loki kingpin is probably Marvel's best villain yeah I, 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 and I think you might be their best and can I just get a word in for Dottie Underwood, who didn't make the final? No, she she was close. Um, I also wanted to get 
uh, Chronicles Andrew in there. <laughs> but again, the complete shutting down of everything Chronicle-related in these nominations. <laughs> meant We've got space for Josh Trank in our awards. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I still like Chronicle. I think it's very good. And I think Dane DeHaan, I, again, I wanted him nominated and lead actor. Didn't happen. Um, we'll get to that category soon. But is it... Is is it fair to say that Kingpin has won the best villain category? It is fair, yeah. I, I can go yes! with that. I got one through! <laughs> oh, excellent. Okay, uh, we're getting to our big awards of the night now, guys. Um, and we have to turn our attention in the direction of the directors, appropriately. And this was a category that there was a lot of consensus on who should be nominated. Um, we have Matthew Vaughan, who obviously has the the double effort of Kick-Ass and X-Men First Class. We have Edgar Wright for Scott Pilgrim. We have Sam Raimi for um, Spider-Man. We have John Favreau with the, the double effort of Iron Man and Iron Man 2. And we have Tim Burton for Batman 89. Um, also, kind of close to making this list, but didn't quite. We had uh, Richard Donovan Superman... Um, James, you were banging the drum for, is it... Um, Mamoru Oshii. I can't even remember. Mamoru Oshii for um, Ghost in the Shell. And Guillermo del Toro was also close for Hellboy. But ultimately, these were the five we decided on. Um, I think I'm pretty clear on who I think the, the the runaway winner of this is. But I'd be interested to see whether there's any there's any agreement from you guys. Who Who do you think... Who, who would you? I want to know who you think. I think the runaway. I don't want to. Re- to I don't want to reveal it yet. I was going to say any of those first four. I think could probably walk off with it. I I think John Favreau for me is. I mean, I didn't nominate him, but I. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I, I can't quite get on board with that, I think. He does he does solid work, but I think he's a pretty functional director in of those first two Iron Man films. Um, and I think my favourite two films that feature Iron Man are neither Iron Man or Iron Man 2. Uh, that's fair. Uh, so I, I, I can't really get excited about him, especially next to someone like Tim Burton, who created an absolute vision of... And something completely unique with um, with Batman and, and his his view of Gotham City. Um, Sam Raimi, I thinking, I think he set down so like when we're talking about the stuff that Spider Man was, you know, parodied or homaged in Kick Ass. It's actual 
directoral flourishes. It's the running over the rooftop and flying through the city. It's just he does so much right there. Matthew Vaughan has two of the best efforts on on the list for this year. And Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim is so specifically an Edgar Wright film. Um, possibly most directed, but um, <laughs> in in a really great way that works perfectly for that source material. I'm, I'm normally not a big fan of the person winning an award being the person who did it the most rather than did it the best. <laughs> but I think that Edgar Wright might have a shout here for having done it the most and done it the well, best. That, like That's why I would say if anyone's got to win it's Edgar Wright just because he's as well as being perfect for the source like as soon as you start reading Scott Pilgrim you're you're looking going oh this is like spaced and then the fact that they managed to make it literally like spaced by mm. getting Edgar Wright to make the movie like it's just there's no more perfect pairing of director and source material than Edgar Wright and Scott Pilgrim like any yeah. you know anyone could ultimately have made a Spider-Man film as good as Sam Raimi made it but I can't, can't imagine anyone doing Scott Pilgrim the justice Edgar Wright did. Yeah. I mean, I, I dispute your first point, but I agree with the second. <laughs> <laughs> Seb, Seb where, where are you leaning here? Um, I mean, I was probably kind of torn between Edgar Wright and Matthew Vaughan. I think Matthew Vaughan for uh, doing two <laughs> that were both really good. I mean, it's coincidence that we covered them both in the same year, but, you know, um, but I think... Yeah, in terms of directorial mark on a film, you really can't look past Edgar yeah. Wright, I suppose. I think um, I think Matthew Vaughan for me is let down by some of the um, clumsiness of X Men First Class, and I don't think that is his fault. It's down to the the production schedule of that film being so rushed, and what he achieved under the circumstances he achieved them is remarkable. But also, I think there are there there, there is signs of sloppiness in that movie um, that. I, I probably can't look past in terms of an actual winner, um, unless unless you were to say it was for, it was just for kickass. Um, but yeah, as uh, the the person I was alluding to at the start was Edgar Wright. I think he for me um, he pips Sam Raimi to the post for best director as far as I'm concerned this year. Despite despite me having problems with that movie, and I think he is responsible for some of them in his guise as director. I don't think he is, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um. So are we? Uh, so I'm saying Edgar Wright. James, are you saying Edgar Wright? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you have. Seb, to. are you saying Edgar Wright? Yeah, yeah. I'll it's a unanimous that. Edgar Wright win for best director. Um. Okay, we'll move on now to um. We've we've really only got big awards left. Um, I I think we'll start off with best actor. So we have um, we have a, a pretty tough category here. Um, uh, but I, I I do wonder whether we're just going to very quickly decide who the best one is. So we have Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man, Ron Perlman for Hellboy, Aaron Johnson for Kickass. Michael Fassbender for X-Men First Class and Christopher Reeve for Superman. Can we give it to anyone who's not Robert Downey Jr.? <laughs> That's my question. I mean, I would try to argue the case for Christopher Who Reeve is wonderful? Because that's, yeah, it's, it, you know, and it's just, it it just comes back to how good he is at playing not one but two roles mm. in that movie. He's a perfect Clark Kent 
and he's a perfect Superman, and he switches perfectly between them. Um, the only thing that I would mark Christopher Reeve down for, really, is you kind of... On the one hand, I think Christopher Reeve is an absolutely perfect Superman. Um, but there have been other really good Superman mm. actors. Like, I, I don't even really think there's been a bad live-action Superman, unless you go back to, like, Kirk <laughs> Allen or something. Um, you know, Brandon Routh, uh, Henry Cavill, and Dean Cain, even, are all great at being Superman in their own way. They're not as good as Christopher Reeve, who is just perfect, but... I think what those other actors show is that as incredible as Reeves' performance is, and I don't want to take anything away from it, um, it's not impossible to imagine someone else doing it, even though, as I say, you know, he, he is better than everybody else at it. Other people are really good at it. Um, nobody else could be Iron mm. Man apart yeah, from Yeah, it's kind of a huge... <laughs> <laughs> because he literally is... T- I mean, he's not even really acting, though. I think maybe that's the only <laughs> thing i take away from him, is that is it even a Best Acting Award, or is it just a Best Being Robert like, Downey Jr. Award? It's a huge problem award? for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, isn't it, that one day they're going to have to recast Iron Man, and there's no mm. one who could step up in any... I mean, I'd say the only other person on this list who you can kind of approach doing that for is Ron Perlman as Hellboy, who is really really good as that character but I wonder whether the re- half the reason you couldn't recast him is because find someone else who you could put in the Hellboy costume yeah. like just who would who would look <coughs> whereas I mean Robert Downey Jr dominates and we do have for him three examples this year and I think to look at him in the first Iron Man and look at him in Age of Ultron and see the different sides of that character that he's played across those but yet I mean, you you look at TV series and you watch the pilot of a TV show and you go, yeah, that person's really good there, but they're a completely different character than they are in season six because they've just been written differently or the performance has changed or the performance has become more like the actor. Um, Whereas I think Downey Jr. always has a really strong grip on who Tony Stark is and has been able to explore different sides of that character. I mean... I'd almost also throw in that one line from the Civil War trailer as part of the uh, <laughs> as part as part of the case for his uh, crowning here. Mm-hmm. He's great. Yeah. Do we uh, are we saying slam dunk Robert Downey Jr. best actor this year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a, in a strong field, but in a, yeah. in a very strong field, but yes. Um, and we'll we'll do the mirror of that award with uh, best actress, um, which. Um, I again personally think there is a slam dunk winner, um, but we'll we'll see whether we have any consensus here. We have Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. We have Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. We have Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers. Evangeline Lilly as um, Hope Van Dyne, and Leah Thompson as Bev in Howard the Duck. Um, so Leah Thompson, so slam dunk is Leah, Leah Thompson. Thompson's the yeah. slam dunk, right, for <laughs> achieving what she achieved next to that disgusting little duck. <laughs> Yeah. Do we need to discuss it further than that? <laughs> no. <I'm, yeah. laughs> okay. Um, I think Leah Thompson's amazing, and I think she did really well to get in this category. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I personally would be unsurprisingly arguing for Hayley Atwell, who um, owns that series, and no one else comes close to her, and the adoration that that character has I think is a testament I mean I love Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts um, I'm slightly surprised that Evangeline Lilly got into this list given how little she got to do 
Um, and I think we've already. I talked- think it's more reflective of it's not been a great year for female leads. Not nothing against the actors themselves, but against the characters. No, that I think it was only Margot Kidder for Superman who had any tr- chance of getting in this list, um, other than the people who did. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm I'm arguing Haley Atwell for. Um, I think reasons I've stated numerously and repeatedly on both the podcast and just shouted out into the world, hoping Haley Atwell will hear and respond during the course of twenty fifteen. <laughs> she actually, See, she hasn't yet. I I would probably go with Gwyneth Paltrow, just because before the Iron Man films, I didn't like Gwyneth Paltrow or Pepper Potts, and that completely changed. Like it, it wasn't until the Iron Man films that I saw that she's actually a really gifted comic actress. Mm. And I think she brings so much to the to the role and the character that she is as inseparable from Pepper Potts as Robert Downey Jr. is from Tony Stark. Seb, you, it, it sounds like you Ooh. might have the deciding vote here. The casting vote. So basically, yeah. talk us through your thought <laughs> process. Are, are you in agreement that it's between mm. Hayley Atwell and Gwyneth Paltrow? I think so, because I think, yeah, I think we're probably the only one that I would put up against um, and I agree with everything that James says and there is a part of me that's inclined because I, 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 I think fully the same about not having really clicked with her before but in these films I absolutely love her um, but by the same token having already given Best Actor to Robert Downey Jr and having already given Tony <laughs> and Pepper Best Couple I am slightly more inclined to give it to Hayley Atwell particularly um because of the impact that she has helped that character to have mm. and the fact that, you know, at the moment she still stands out as the only solo Marvel lead heroine um, and got a second series, yeah. you know, which mm. wasn't necessarily... We do have Kristen but... Ritter's Jessica Jones now. Oh, true. She, yes. she also um, is close to me. Because I haven't list. watched that yet, I couldn't nominate Yeah, it, I think that so. possibly held her back from making the list was that Seb hadn't seen it. <laughs> to be, well, um, no, to be fair, maybe I, season two. I couldn't nominate her having seen it. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think um, I, I, the way that she just completely anchors that show, um, you know. Yeah. And in a way that I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow is great in the Iron Man films, but she's not the lead attraction. Mm. Um, but Haley Atwell completely carries that show on her shoulders and and does so yeah. really well. Okay, so Haley Atwell is our winner of Best Actress. Okay, so we'll come up to um, the penultimate uh, award of our of our main categories. We've got a couple of little ones to uh, end the show on. But this is worst film. We've had a lot of bad films on this podcast this year, and we can't not award one of them for being the very worst. So, our five nominees for the worst film of the year are Howard the Duck, X-Men Origins Wolverine, Fantastic Four, Watchmen, and Blade. Now, I think, Seb, you still haven't seen Fantastic Four. So that that complicates this category slightly. (laughs) Not if you both Because I've got to be honest, it's a very strong contender. Um... I, I I don't know if any of you guys have particularly positive thoughts in the direction of any of these films, but I would personally want to veto Watchmen right now because I think you're both being too way too harsh on it. Um, I don't think it's being too harsh. I just think it's out of the films we've covered this year. I think it's in the worst five, in the same way as I also nominated Iron Man. Too. Yeah, yeah, um, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't 
say that Watchmen is my vote to win this because there is enough that surprisingly yeah. that I like about Watchmen. I would also want to discount Howard the Duck because while I think it is objectively without a doubt the worst film we've covered <laughs> I mean it is just a dreadful piece of filmmaking I think we got so much enjoyment <laughs> that is, that out of talking true. about that is it true. I mean the thing I would um, say that I, I don't think we can seriously the thing I would say about Howard the Duck is that at least it's trying something interesting yeah yeah whereas my my uh, yeah, sorry. sorry I, I, I think Blade. Uh, I, I again. I, I wouldn't have put this anywhere near the worst. I think it wasn't the most exciting film to dig into and discuss. But I don't think it's like out and out bad. It just might not be the most exciting or interesting. So I wonder whether that does bring the the discussion down to X Men Origins Wolverine versus Fantastic <coughs> Four. And I guess, yeah. Seb, all James and I can really do is discuss whether <laughs> Fantastic Four is worth... Whether we can sell you that it is a worse film. Well, you don't have to sell me on it. You just have to both vote. I, I, for me personally, of the ones I've seen, my vote is X-Men Origins Wolverine. If you guys think Fantastic Four is worse... Then, I definitely then think Fantastic Four is worse. Yeah, well, <laughs> X-Men Origins Wolverine didn't kill the franchise. Fan- <laughs> Fantastic Four... Wow, I mean, I still, I still can't believe quite how much it got wrong. We were, we were almost going to have like a most sexist category in this, and I, I really, um, I thought it was probably something that was just, it was going to be too depressing to discuss <laughs> the amounts of sexism running through. But I think the treatment of Kate Mara's Sue Storm in that film was atrocious, and just structurally, all the things that went wrong with it. It's uh It's like it has a I, I think solidly the worst superhero movie since Green Lantern and it might be worse. It has a it has a kind of alright first sort of thirty to forty minutes. And then it just it's, goes completely off the rails. And it's not just that it goes completely off the rails, it undermines anything that yeah, was yeah, interesting yeah, about those yeah. first thirty minutes. It's a com- you know, car crash in every way. <laughs> you should go back and listen to our Fantastic Four podcast. We did actually have Matt Turner on that episode um, giving us, uh, a, a, I would say, a, a, a decent defence of the movie, but even he, I don't think, was massively sold on it. Um, so, yeah, if you want to hear more of why me, why me and James are so sure that Fantastic Four is the worst movie of the year, then go go back to that episode um but we've we've got the flip side of that coin now we're going to talk about five films and i don't think we need to discuss this too much because they have been nominated in so many other categories but our best five films of the year are spider-man superman x-men first class kick-ass and Scott Pilgrim. And I have to say, sixth place, a very clear sixth place that just missed out was Batman Begins, and I think we all know why it didn't make the final five by this point. <laughs> um, do you guys uh, want to argue strongly in any particular direction? Seb, don't you believe that Superman is the greatest superhero movie ever made, don't you? Pretty much, although I do acknowledge its flaws <laughs> as well, so maybe it isn't. I think, personally, I... I, I would say Superman, but I know that you got from the discussion that we've already had that you guys aren't going to agree with that. <laughs> I do think it's great. I do think it's really great, uh, great, and I think I think we maybe all put it in our top five. Maybe maybe not James. Um, James, do you, do you have a clear favourite from this list? Uh, I mean, 
it's tough. Or do we? Or do we? Do we each want to veto one to make it a bit easier? Superman. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I would personally veto Scott Pilgrim because of the we talk. I mean, we've given it, we've given it a lot. Scott Pilgrim would have been my oh, vote. Really. I think we've given it a lot of credit for a lot of different things, but I just think, as you're talking about that, to to get the ending so wrong is is a problem as far as I'm concerned. Are we gonna are we gonna end up being like just on a gonna, on a comfortable just like something we can all kind of agree on wavelength? Which it is gonna be this horrible default, so. isn't it? Is Spider Man uh, a pretty great default though? Is it? I would I would I would say Spider Man ahead of Kick Ass or was Iron Man the No, other? Iron Man didn't make the list. What was what was the fifth? Uh, oh X Men yeah. First Class. X Men First Class, Kick Ass, Spider Man, Superman, yeah. Scott Pilgrim. It's gotta yeah. be Spider Man. I'm I'm down with I that. I think yeah, and it's not even the best Spider-Man film, but I think it's no. <laughs> I think it's just it's it's and I, wonderful. I, but I think it's a wonderful piece. I of I think it's right worth here. us highlighting because I think something that came up when we discussed it at the time was people don't always have that stronger perception of it based on what's come since, and I think all of us going back to it realised just how much we loved it and how important it is to us. So I yeah. think between the three of us, unanimously as a film, it's a film that we all really And I think it bears that, mentioning so. that for for this podcast, obviously all of these awards are subjective and this is just three guys having subjective personal opinions and we are all people who grew up with that having pretty much a special place in our hearts and... It might not be. There might be people. Well, you say grew up. I was already at university. <laughs> well, that's true. But we were all we were all we were all younger men at that point. And I think uh, maybe people who were born five, ten years later wouldn't have wouldn't have the same affection for it. But I think as a trio, we discovered during that podcast, it might have been my favourite one to record this year. Maybe outside of Howard the Duck, <laughs> it was just it was uh, yeah, it was really fun revisiting that film, and I, I would. I would feel pretty good about naming that the best film of the year. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Spider-Man wins best film. Um, so really, that only leaves us with um, doing a couple of um, categories that are stuff that we do on the podcast every week. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it'd be fun. At the end of every podcast, normally, we I ask Seven James to give me a comic book recommendation based on the film we've just watched. And given that this is our end of 2015 episode, I wondered if, Seb James, you can recommend me a comic from 2015 that I should go off and read um, after after this great year of comic book movies. What are the two comics from this year that I should be reading? Uh, this is kind of from last year as well, but Dan Slott and Mike Arroyd's Silver Surfer has been amazing. Uh, so 15, I think 15 issues in volume one. Uh, but just go back and start with volume one. They're all excellent. And then jump back on to all new, all different Silver Surfer. Yeah, in January. Is that what's happening now? Yeah. Oh, well, that's perfect timing, isn't it? So I can catch up with Silver Surfer from 2015. Um, Seb, what would your uh, comic book recommendation from 2015 be? Um, it's not the absolute best thing a read all year, but we've talked about things like Squirrel Girl and Howard the Duck already. So... Um, I mentioned it briefly on our last episode, but Martian Manhunter uh, by Rob Williams and Eddie Barrows. The first six-issue arc of that is really surprising and interesting, and I can't even really say why without spoiling like the revelations and the plot. Uh, 
but it's just go into it completely cold with no knowledge of the character and it's a really intriguing and fun six issue arc that I think is a really good read and I'm really looking forward to seeing where the series goes from here Excellent. And then our last, very last thing before we before we wrap this up. We thought at the end of each year we should induct someone into the Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. That's someone who, from this year, has made a significant contribution to comic book movies on the comic book movies we've covered. So, I mean, we could look at someone like Robert Downey Jr., but he's going to be coming up time and time again. We could look at someone like Christopher Reeve, who is iconic, um... As far as I'm concerned, guys, I think there's two people that maybe we won't get to revisit so much on this podcast and won't get to revisit them, certainly at their greatest. Um, And they are Matthew Vaughan, who we mentioned directed X-Men First Class and Kick-Ass. And also Nicolas Cage, who was great as Big Daddy and absolutely um, brilliant as Ghost Rider, despite, I think, the Ghost Rider film not really reaching its heights. Nicolas Cage is wonderful there. And he's a guy who loves his comic books and obviously poured his heart and soul into these two comic book movies and maybe deserves to be our first inductee into the Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. Do you guys have any other suggestions or are you passionate about either of those two who we should put down in the annals of uh, Cinematic (coughs) Universe? Nick Cage was my suggestion (laughs) as well, I think. uh, I mean, to be honest, I would say it purely for Big Daddy, because I'm not even a Ghost Rider fan, but he's got to make it in at some point, and yeah, you know, we're not going to do it based on Ghost Rider 2 alone. So for me, (laughs) Nick Cage, a worthy first. James, do you have any objections to that? No objection. I just, I think Josh Trank should be in there as a warning to history. (laughs) (laughs) Um, excellent. Okay, so we will induct Nicolas Cage as our first inductee into the Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. Okay, so you're rejoining me now in the future. Um, Seb and James have gone. Um, that was our uh, pre-recorded awards special. So you've now heard almost all of the awards that are being handed out. Um, I'm just going to add a couple more on the end of the podcast that really Seven James couldn't be a party to because this is something that... These are a couple of awards related to things that we do on the podcast every week, um, but Seven James are not in the in the position to decide, to decide winners here. And the first is the best comic book recommendation of this year. Um, and this is something purely personal, but... Um, just just the comic book recommendation that from either Seb or James, or, or one of our guests, I suppose, um, I have enjoyed the most this year. Um, and I was just looking back, I mean, I think we've done 24 different minisodes, which suggests that there's been close to 50 comic book recommendations over the course of the year. Um, I think I think there probably, probably is around 50, because we've had a couple of extra ones thrown in there. Um, even Charlie Cox gave me a recommendation, which was a, a particular highlight of this first year of Cinematic Universe. Um, but yeah, just looking back, um, I, just an incredible hit rate from Seven James with the comments they recommended this year. Um, um, I would say maybe a couple more slam dunks from Seb, um, but... I was looking at some of the stuff that James has exposed me to in in the comics world. Um, some stuff that I would have never have thought to have read, and um, yeah, it's it's been really eye opening for someone who barely read comics before this year, and now I am at the point where I am buying some comics um, monthly 
and um and and that's been an experience as well um I think um, if it had have actually been a recommendation, Alias would have been uh, probably the winner. Um, it wasn't actually the a comic that Seven James recommended on the podcast, but heavily, heavily implied before Jessica Jones that Alias was one of the best comics um, written in the past uh, 10, 15 years, and I would find it hard to disagree with that. Um, outside of that, I think the two comics that I read that I really wanted to just after after having been recommended them that I kind of wanted to go and own um were Hawkeye and All-Star Superman um and I find it very difficult to separate those two um I love those both for different reasons um you know, I, I really enjoyed some of the Daredevil I read this year and um, some of the Spider-Man comics. Um, I went back and read Scott Pilgrim again. That was fun. Read Kick-Ass for the first time. Um, read some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Just all sorts of really, really good stuff. Um, some stuff I didn't enjoy, but sometimes that's the fun of being given these recommendations by Seven James is saying, hey, you're probably not going to like this, but... It, you know, you should read it to get a, to get an idea of what that's going to be like. Um, yeah, but the the one I f- I'm finding it very difficult to separate these two. Um, I think is because they're su- they're such different things. Hawkeye is a, it's obviously twenty odd issues of an ongoing Marvel series that, although the creative team departed, was still continuing. Whereas All Star Superman felt like something. Uh, completely contained but hitting all these different points at the same time um i think i love them both for different reasons but i but i think probably just because i didn't expect to enjoy it as much and because it snuck up on me and probably the amount that i've thought about it since um i'd have to give this award to all-star superman although it's very close um but yeah all-star superman was was pretty mind blowing to read, um, and I've had um, I've had my ups and downs with Glenn Morrison this year, but that was yeah, that is a pretty pretty great comic, and I would recommend anyone out there, whether you you know like Superman going in or not. Um, there's some pretty special stuff in in those ten issues, so yeah, I will give my best comic book recommendation award to All Star Superman, um, and that just leaves the final award to be given out, which is best pitch. And I'm not going to make this decision because I make this decision every single week. Um, and, you know, we've we've produced um, 24 main episodes of the podcast, which should mean that there is, again, close to 50 pitches out there. Um, and I'd love to hear your suggestions, listeners, on which your favourite pitches from the year were. Um, they can be serious or silly because we know that Seven James... Um, often like to not take my pitches, uh, my pitch suggestions seriously. Um, but it, you know, either way normally turns out quite fun. I did actually ask Seven James to tell me which they thought were their best pitches from throughout the year. Um, Seb said that he particularly liked his ones for the Nuclear Man movie, um, his pun filled Guardians of the Galquaxi, um, pitch, and also his idea to unmake man of steel um <laughs> on a similar note james liked his pitches uh for there to be no watchmen sequel whatsoever 
um, his dark, dark, twisted kidney stabber idea, and also his pitch for a Planet Hulk movie. Um, so those are Seven James's suggestions of some strong pitches, but obviously there's loads and loads to choose from. I think we've had some really good ones throughout the year, and obviously we had some great ones from our guests who stepped in as well, and it would be wrong to exclude them from this, given given the strong, strong work that they did on the podcast. Um, and I'd just like to take this uh, opportunity to thank all of our guests who uh, came on the podcast this year, um, both when Seb was off um, on paternity leave, we'll say, from the podcast, um, and also just the, the people who um, came in along the way. Um, hugely appreciative. We are hugely appreciative to all of all of our uh, guests and um, those guests were of course in order of appearance uh, Sarah Dobbs uh, Caroline Cedar twice uh, Reese Williamson Al Kennedy Matt Turner Ian Grundy and Michael Leader so yeah um, huge thanks to all of those guys for um, coming and talking comic book movies with us hopefully we're going to have lots more exciting guests on the podcast in 2016 as well but just to finish that off if you do have any um, favourite pitches from throughout the year, then, you know, get in touch and tell us which they are. And this is this means it's the perfect opportunity for me to tell you the ways to get in touch, which I do on the end of every podcast. Um, so all our podcasts are hosted on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com. You can also find us at filmdivider.com. Um, let me know which your favourite pitches are via Facebook, um, on Twitter, at CU underscore podcast, which is probably the best way to get in touch with us. But you can also email us at cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. And not only tell us what your favourite pitches from last year were, but if you have any ideas for pitches that I should set to Seven James in the coming year, then also get in touch with those, because I'd love to um, use some listener suggestions on the podcast, if anything, just to make my job a little bit easier. Um... Yeah, you can, um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice, and leave us a rating or review, and we'll give you a shout-out on a future show. And so, finally, just to recap the winners of all our awards from last week and this week, uh, J.K. Simmons is our Best Supporting Actor, Chloe Moretz is our Best Supporting Actress, Superman is our Best Hero, Tony Stark and Pepper Potts are our Best Couple, Scott Pilgrim wins our award for Best Casting, Ant-Man wins our award for Best New Film. Um, Nick Cage enters the Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. Uh, Martian Manhunter and Silver Surfer are our Best Comics of 2015 recommendations. Um, Best Picture is going to be up to you. Best Song was Black Sheep from Scott Pilgrim. Best Costume, Spider-Man. Best Villain, Kingpin. Best Screenplay, Kick-Ass. Best Director, Edgar Wright. Best Actress, Hayley Atwell. Best Actor, Robert Downey Jr., Worst film, Fantastic Four, and best film, Spider-Man. Um, from Seb, James, and Di, thank you very much for listening throughout the last year, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. You are a lot like your father. You really are, Peter, and that's a good thing. But your father, by a philosophy, a principle, really, he believed that if you could do good things for other people, 
you had a moral obligation to do those things. That's what's at stake here. Not choice, responsibility. Cinematic Universe returns next week with The Amazing Spider-Man. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.